I know you just stood, but can you stand with me in the honor of the reading of the word of God? We do it intentionally to say, God, we honor your word. We honor many other words. Yeah, we get it, but your word above all we honor. So this is coming from Genesis 39, verse 1, 2, 3. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the garden of the Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, as Paul has asked to pray so many times, we pray that it is not the wisdom of men, but the power of the demonstration and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit that this word will be preached through, God. Be honored, be glorified, heal, touch, bless, encourage even those who are traveling and joining online. I pray that there'll be a refreshment, not because it's a long weekend, but there'll be a refreshment that comes, not because it's a long weekend, but because we have spent time with you, that we met you, and that you have graced us, Lord. We thank you, it is in your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated where you are. We're in a series called Built Different. Today I want to talk to you about Joseph, the successful man. So I want to talk to you about success because I think the definition of success in our lives, it is so very important and we are built different to have different definition when it comes to success. A very brief survey that I looked into, the question was to people, hey, so what's your success? Let's define a win for your life. Number one answer was um, financial independence, making more money, paying it off, uh, financial freedom. Number two was fame, winning championships, becoming someone really, really famous. A lot of singles said, ah, oh, marrying someone wonderful, beautiful, a cute guy will be great. <laughs> a guy named Elon said, going to Mars, so I don't know what that's about. A lot of people said actually truly being happy. Actually, that idea comes from Epicureanism and Stoicism, that's a Hellenistic mindset and a philosophy that happiness is our ultimate goal. And other people said, well, actually doing something to change the world, helping people or being a proud parent. All these goals and, and definition of success, I'm not against all of them. I don't think you are either. But being built different means we have a very clear definition and a biblical definition what success is. And then not only believing it as a philosophy in our minds, but really embodying it in the fullest way that we know how. Saying, yes, God, that is my definition of success. And I want to submit to you from the scripture today that being built different means that our definition of success is the very presence of God. Nothing more, nothing less. This is where it starts, this is where it ends. This is what we're waiting for when we get home, the presence of God. This is Genesis 39, chapter 39, verse two. The Lord was with Joseph. So the presence of God was in Joseph's life. And the Bible says, and he became a successful man. And this will be repeated again in verse three. His master, so it's not even Joseph or the Bible saying Joseph's successful that God is with. An unbeliever is saying his master saw that the Lord was with 
him, the presence of God. And that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. And rather, this kind of same phrase is repeated two more times in verse 21 and 23. Rather, this word success here is charach. Somebody say charach. Come on, you got it. You got to have the guttural sound. Some of you are not ready for it. I got you. It's a you know, Labor's Day weekend. Let's do it again. Charach. Very good. Yeah, I know. You got to have the gutter. It's a Hebrew word meaning successor to prosper. Yet at the same time, this very word, this very word means the presence of God. Because this very word is used in Judges 14 in this way. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The phrase came upon him is charach. So success, which was used as a success in Genesis 39, means God was with this person. Also for David, 1 Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, there's the anointing, and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon. This word here, this phrase, rushed upon, tzarach, is, is what, how, what is used in Genesis 39. So in Genesis 39, when the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man, it's actually repeating itself kind of because it's the same idea. In this mindset, in this biblical mindset, the very presence of the Lord is success. It's not different. That is it. The very presence of the Lord is success. Again, I want to submit to you that success, our success, is the presence of God. That's how we're built different. My dad was a businessman for a very long time. Um, some seasons he did great, some seasons he didn't. And this was going through a phase where he was doing pretty good in China. So we lived in Hong Kong. We moved from Korea to Hong Kong because he was doing business in China. So he would commute back and forth from Hong Kong to China, to Shenzhen. I know commuting in D.C. is not that great, but hey, you had it better. He, my dad was commuting between different countries. Every day, literally, going through immigration. So he was commuting back and forth in, in, from, from Hong Kong to Shenzhen and doing his business. And his business was doing pretty well. I mean, it wasn't his business, but he had a partner, so it wasn't his business per se. It wasn't like he built it. Someone else built it. He kind of joined them. But he kind of became the boss of the place. And I think this was when I was maybe in ninth grade. And I fell in love with this idea and the dream of becoming the next Bill Gates. I said, I love computers. Computers is the future. And this is when, back when we had AOL and the dial-ups and stuff. So this is before all the technology that we had and AIs. And so I'm like, you know what? This is, and it was the future. So I said, I want to I become the next Bill Gates. So I worked hard on the computer thingy. And I became pretty good. I thought I was great. I thought I was a genius. But all I was really doing in fixing computers was deleting, deleting Windows 95 and reinstalling Windows 95. <laughs> And then it would work. So I said, I'm a genius. I can fix any computer. Next bill gets here, I come. I guess my dad thought that was kind of cute. Or, so he said, join me and my company. So I got on a train, hopped on a train from Hong Kong to um, Shenzhen. And I got out. And here was this driver uh, with a really nice car waiting for me with my name. So I said, huh, it's pretty cool. At the same time, I said, of course, I'm the next Bill Gates. Of course, this is how they should honor me, right? So get in the car, nice car. We, we get out. And then my dad comes out to join me and welcomes me like a father would always do to a son. And we're like, hey, hello. this is a beautiful compound. And all these guys lined up, all these employ employees lined up. And I'll walk and they'll bow. And that's a, kind of like a Korean thing to do. And some of them are not Korean. Some of them are, you know, Chinese. But they will still bow. I said, wow, this is kind of weird. No one bowed to me like this ever before. But I'm the next Bill Gates, so this makes sense. 
walk in. My dad takes me to this little computer room, and there are these two ladies walking in there and working in there. And my dad says, well, here's some computers that needs fixing. It doesn't work. Fix for us. Fix it for us. I said, yes, sir. Got it. Delivered with those 95 and in those 95. I got it right now. And these two ladies come. It's like, hey, what do you need? Do you need any tea, cookies, snacks? What do you need? I said, I am good, ladies. I am good. And I work on Bill Gates. Come on, fixing computers and fixing computers. My dad leaves, and I've been fixing my computer for about 15 minutes or so. And I said, I really would like some water and some snacks. So I look to the ladies and said, ladies, I would like something to drink. And the ladies are chit-chatting, chit-chatting, and they're not even looking to me. So I said, okay. Maybe, she didn't, maybe they didn't hear me. So I said, ladies... I would love some water and some snack. I'm sure they heard me because your ears twitched. But, but they were still chit-chatting, chit-chatting, not paying attention to me. So I said, huh, that's weird. And, and then later I go to the restroom and no one's bowing either. I'm like, that's weird. I come back and I'm fixing my computer. And maybe an hour has passed and my dad walks in. And as soon as he walks in, the ladies get up and say, what did you need, sir? And as we walk out, everyone's bowing again. definitely wasn't because I was the next Bill Gates. It definitely wasn't because I could erase Windows 95 and reinstall Windows 95. It was my dad, wasn't it? But what if, what if this is true? Because we think it's true. I think it's true in the scriptures that when the world sees us, when the devil sees us, it's not us really that they're scared of, but Christ in us. Daddy that we walk with, I don't think the Bible, the sanctification part of our walk with Christ has ever been that, oh, you become so strong and so mighty and such a giant that the devil, devil is not scared of how large we are, how strong we are, right? It's not even our faith in faith. If it's genuine faith, it's our total dependence in the presence of God and loving him, right? That's what the devil's scared of. That's where devils and their minions bow down and say, oh, Christ is in you and is with you and you are with him. That is success. And I believe that is true. Let's talk about eternal security for a moment because maybe some of you feel like, I have a pastor that sounds great, but I don't know if God is with me. If you have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Isaiah 49 would say, even if those might forget you or forsake you, even if your mother, your brother, your friends, your sisters might forget you or forsakes you, it says God will never forget you. He has engraved you on the palms of his hands. And John 14, 16 says that the Father will send comforter and he will never leave you or forsake you he'll be with you eternally so once you receive jesus christ as lord and savior he is with you there's eternal security about it the presence of god is with us the question is not about god actually the question is about us isn't it because god is with us he doesn't leave jesus says i will never leave you or forsake you right that's what he's saying when he's saying the spirit of god will come and he will never leave you so he's with us he's with you right now come on believers When you go back to work on Tuesday, though you don't want to, and your boss is waiting, or that employee that doesn't just listen to you, like, I should just fire the guy. But you're Christian, like, how can I be merciful, nice to him, and not fire? God help me, right? In the middle of all that, God is with you. When you're going through a divorce, he is with you. 
When you feel so far away from your son, your daughter, he is with you in all that. When you're going through bankruptcy, he's with you in all that. The question is not about is he with you because he has promised and he's a covenant maker. He's a covenant keeper. He's faithful. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's with us right now. But the better question here is about success. It's not about God, but it's about us. Because I also remember a man named Moses in Genesis, Exodus 33. Because God says, you know what, Moses? It's not going well for you and your people. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my angel. Come on, you know this. And they'll, they'll fight for you, so you'll have victories. You'll conquer the promised land, and it will be filled with great things. So your life will be well. You'll have victories in your life. I'll send my power with you, but I will not go with you. And then Moses says, Lord, if you don't go with us, then don't make us leave this place. You know what I prayed last night before I got ready to be with you? I said, God, I know I said yes to Pastor AJ, but if you're not going to be with me tomorrow morning, I'm not going to leave my house. So I threw a little spiritual tantrum. It's a dance that I do with the Holy Spirit, and he knows all about it. He's not mad about it. So I said, I'm really ready. I'll call him right now. I'll text him in the morning. Brother, God is not with me. I can't be with you. I throw this little tantrum. It's really for more for me. I said, God, if you don't go, I, will. I don't care what kind of promise I made for anyone. Because I'm not here to serve men. I'm here to serve God. So God, if you don't go, I don't... God, and I'm not even asking for God to bring victories. That is great if he brings victories. But I don't want those victories with my God, without my God. And some days, your victories doesn't feel like victories anyway, doesn't it? But God is in you and with you, and that is success. There's a weird understanding in Christianity where, oh, because you're Christian, you're slaying giants all day and every day. And it feels like, you know what happened right after uh, uh, David slayed a Goliath, a giant? The spear of Saul chased him. That's what success brings us. You know what happened as Jesus walked on this earth and preached the gospel and, and then was merciful and healed many and even resurrected people? They crucified him on the cross. So if we believe in the scripture as it says, you and I will recognize that some days as you even perfectly live out the perfect will of God as Christ says, not that you and I can, right? But that if we, even if we do it, we'll be persecuted. People will leave. People will want to crucify us on the cross. And that is living right. Nothing's wrong with our lives. It's not a happy news, but it's a good news. Because we don't serve happiness we don't worship happiness. Come on. Again, I said that's a Hellenistic philosophy. That comes from Epicureanism and Stoicism. That's not Christianity. Our ultimate goal, our purpose is not happiness. It's the glory of God and the presence of God and delighting in his presence and him delighting us and saying, God, I can't wait to be in heaven because though life is painful, come on, Garrison, we talk about it all the time because life is so painful. I can't, he looks at me and goes like, Jude, I can't wait to get home. I'm like, I know you love your daughter, you love your life. Yeah, no, I love them too, but I can't wait to get home. I'm like, brother, I love you. That is real, a little dark, but that's real, God, because I feel the same way. In life, it feels the same way. That's exactly how it feels. But that is success when you and I are walking right. Yeah. 
And about that life, this is what the Bible says about Moses at the end of Deuteronomy. It's now wrapping up his life in about three, four verses. Deuteronomy 34, 10 says this about Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses. This is success. Saying there is no one like this guy. No prophet like Moses. That is success, right? In that, this is what it says. Whom the Lord knew face to face. Yes, the next verse will talk about signs and wonders and, and terrors that was brought by Moses. So power and, and empowering and, and the move of God and miracles will show up. But before anything, what does it say? He was successful because he knew the Lord face to face. What is your definition of success this morning? Would you join me in redefining my success, your success, our success all over because we're built different? Not other things, but the very presence of God. What if the Spirit of God is saying to you this morning, because some of you feel like, I just need to do better. I just need to do more right by God. What if God is saying, I'm not asking you to be better, my son. I'm not asking you to be more pious, my daughter. I'm asking you to come close. Because that proximity is what sanctifies us and makes us holy. God never says, no, no, you fix your life and then come close to me. He doesn't say that. This is what he says always. I paid for everything. You just draw near. You have access. You have full confidence. Come on, in confidence, draw near to my throne, son. That's what God, that's the gospel. And we don't need the gospel. We don't only need the gospel when we get started in our journey with Jesus. We need need the gospel every day. The gospel that says, you know what, God, Yesterday, these are things that I've done. I know there are many more things that I've done that is wrong. But not in my merit, but in your merit, God. God, and I'm leading my family and serving them. As I'm being a parent, I'm not being good in these ways. My heart, I'm so selfish, so angry. I don't know what to do. In my company, in my work, I don't know, God. But I still draw near to you. Because it's not my righteousness, but your righteousness. That is the gospel. And success is that invitation all over. Come close. Come close, my child. And as we get closer, we start to grow more like him. It's not that we work on it so that we get better, therefore we get now accepted. No, no, we're accepted. Therefore, we obey his words. Because we feel the love. We don't want to do anything else. So again, success is the presence of God. And let's take one step deeper. I I talked about it, but let's take one step deeper and study this passage again. So okay, come with me to Genesis 39, verse 21 to 23 now. So we read the beginning of the chapter 39, verse 1 and 3. Now we're going to go to verse 21 and 23. Come on, family. Let's study the Bible together. It says this. But the Lord was with Joseph. It is so interesting because this chapter is focused with it and just drenched with that word, success. The Lord was with him, 23. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it successful. Come on, come with me. So, okay, study the Bible. In the beginning of the chapter, when God called Joseph successful, what happened before and where was he? He was betrayed by all of his brothers. He was sold, he was sold as a slave and then God called him successful. In between verse 1 and 3 to verse 21 and 23, what happened in between? 
He was wrongly charged, incarcerated with injustice. And then the Bible would say he was successful. Successful, successful. Incarcerated with injustice. Sold out by your brothers. And, and this is the very place the Bible is saying he is successful. Some of you are in that place. The Spirit of God, I think he told me very clearly that I was preparing this message for you and praying for you, Chantilly. This is what God said. You actually have a family member who's wrongly incarcerated with injustice, just like Joseph. In that place, you wonder, how, how is this successful, God? And God is saying, I can make it successful. The circumstance is not fair. It's not justice, but I can, says the Lord. Because in the middle of it, God calls him successful and listen to me very carefully we know that joseph becomes a prime minister a very powerful person in the most powerful nation in that day and age but listen to me very carefully after he becomes a prime minister the bible never uses word success or charak to 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 joseph it is only in genesis 39 when he was in trial when he was sold and he was betrayed and wrongly incarcerated, in this place, God has called him successful. It is not because Joseph became a prime minister that God Bible is calling Joseph successful. It's because when he was in that darkest place, darkest night, God was closest to him. And Joseph was closest to God, and therefore he was successful. Family, listen to me very carefully. Satan sometimes twists the love of God and the faithfulness of God. Just because you're suffering, just because you're going through a tough time, just because your son is incarcerated, Satan is saying, oh, your life is now messed up. How is your life successful? You're all, you're done. You're, you're, you're done. And the Bible is saying, no, no, right in that moment, not after you come through it, right in that moment, you are successful. And that's what the Bible is saying. Listen to me. If this is true, Joseph would have a testimony. And he does have a testimony. Listen to me. This is what it says. When he names his two sons in the Bible, Genesis 41, he says this. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my troubles. Verse 30 to 52, my, his second son, he named him Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So in the very place of Genesis 39, God is calling Joseph successful. What Joseph was feeling, God, this feels like suffering. So what God sees as a success and makes it clear and says it over and over and over. Rather, that charach is used 50, 65 times in the Old Testament. It is used mostly for Joseph. But it is focused in Genesis 39. Not when he became a prime minister, but when he was in that dark place. Family, listen to me. Those of you who feel like, God, my life doesn't feel like success. My family doesn't feel like success at all. And we have good days too, but this is, those of you who are going through this season right now, come on, come on. What if God calls your life right now successful? What if you can be successful right now before any circumstances change, before your bank account starts to change? What if you can be called successful right now? Because you can, I can, because he's here. Eternal security, he's here. It is just us choosing God in this darkness. I'm going to propel every pain and suffering and isolation and loneliness and, and depression that I feel, and I'm going to propel all that, and I'm going to draw near to you, fully accepting and recognizing the truth that success is your presence. If you and I choose that, you and I will be successful right now. You look back on this day 
in 10 years, 20 years. Come on, some of you, some of you, come on, woman and man of faith. You have that, you have that testimony, don't you? When you're in your 30s, 40s, life was tough. Man, you were barely making a living. But you look back and say, you know what? Now that I'm 60, now that I'm 70, those seasons, those decades, I was close to God. And those are the best seasons of my life. I feel the spirit of God deeply in this because he wants to comfort you and strengthen you and say, it's not the external things that makes you successful, child. It's me. Grace, church, can I declare that in the middle of the suffering that you are as a church, that you're successful because every Sunday you draw near to the presence of God, every Wednesday, every other days, you know to draw near to God and that's been your story and your testimony. So can I declare with the faith that I love and the love that I have for you, that you're successful right now, though it's painful. Hebrews 12 says this. Because the Lord disciplined those he loves, he punishes everyone he accepts as a son and daughter. Endure hardship as discipline, God is treating you as a son. As sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined, then everyone and everyone undergoes discipline. Then you are illegitimate children. You're not true sons. Family, listen. He loves you. If you don't get anything else, that's all you need to get. He loves you. Discipline is to make you more like him, and discipline is because he loves. Just don't give up. Keep showing up to Sundays. Keep showing up to small groups. Keep pursuing God. Keep serving. Just don't give up. And as you do so, you look back on this very day, this very week, this very year, this very month, and say, God, I was successful. Because as you said, as you prophesied over this house, what the enemy meant for evil, you turned it for good. Who, who is the ultimate suffering servant? Isn't it our Lord Jesus? If we accept the gospel that our Jesus fully embodied, then we accept the full gospel that says, Full obedience to the Father and success, some days, is suffering. It's not because you did something wrong. It's not because we're all messed up. Eh, we are all messed up. That's not even a discussion here. But that is not the reason why we suffer. It's because He loves. Are you hearing this? It's because He loves you. He, he's not trying to rebuke you. He's saying, I love you. Just come near. I love preaching this message because it preaches to my soul as well. When I started ministry, this is how I started ministry. 
I was in Hong Kong and I, I grew up in I grew up in church. My wife was not my wife. My my mother was a that's a very bad confusion. My mother. <laughs> Can you edit that out, please? Because thank you, brother Charles. Thank you. I, my mother was was leading different things in ministry, so I was there. But like I was one of those kids who was making trouble. Come on, kid, crazy kids, you know, trouble kids. I was one of those trouble kids. But they couldn't kick me out because my mom was a leader in the house. You know what I'm talking? You know, one of those kids. You're like, should be excommunicated. That kid should be excommunicated. Ah, oh, the mother is the leader. Oh no, what do we do? Right, kind of thing. So I was that kid. Didn't know the Lord. I just knew religion, and I hated religion. I was in Hong Kong, and um, a group of missionaries came, and it was a big group of people. They're on fire for Jesus. And how many of you know when, when there's evangelism happening, when there's missions happening, Spirit of God moves in a very unique way, when people are intentionally, intentional and completely sold out for missions for the gospel, Spirit of God honors that. So I was in that place for, for, for a week or two, and then I just, I just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and God moved in a powerful way. I couldn't deny them. I couldn't deny the fact that he was real, so I received him as Lord and Savior. And the first thing that I fell in love with was just worship, just worshiping him. So I learned guitar, I learned piano, and what I would do is now join my mother, not my wife, but my mother in praying. Because she was, she was a praying lady, she's been praying for me all her life, and she was praying, praying. And I went every night just going to the church, the sanctuary, and I, I just prayed, prayed with her. And that presence was so sweet. It wasn't, it was, it was joy and delight that I've never felt anywhere else in my life. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. If you know Jesus. And I love this so much. And I know my heart is prone to wander, right? So I'm looking around. I'm like, I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose Jesus. And I know I'll lose Jesus. I have been a demon-possessed child before, so I don't want to go back to the place. God, what do I do? Because I talked about the sweeping of the room and seven times more. No, no, God, I don't want that. What do I do? It was a false fear, but I just like, God, what do I do? And I looked around. What do I? Because I, I, I confused church building as the presence of God. Right? So I looked around because I want to be here for the rest of my life. And I looked at the pastor's office and said, oh, that's my answer. I'm going to become a pastor. So that night, I go to my praying mom, a lady who's been praying for me all my life. I said, Mom, I made a very important decision today. You'll be proud of me. I decided today that I'm going to become a pastor today. And my, wife, my, my, my mom looks at me and she says this, well, son, it takes a great man and woman of God to become a pastor. I don't think you're it. Pray again. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if it was like a motherly protection, mother bear kind of protection thingy or like if she just really didn't see that in me. And really not her fault because I told you I was demon possessed for a decade probably. So it's like I, I don't think you're it. So like it's okay. So I forgot about it and I pursued music for and, and did wanted, wanted to do music and went to college for it and had a, had a job towards the music industry and things like that. And I had this big dream about music and, you know, recording music in the Christian music field and all that. And I was going through a season of tremendous suffering um, after that as well. And I was praying. I was on my knees one night and I was praying, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. But I'm pain. I'm in pain. You got to let me know where I need to go. And then that's when God shows me a vision of me 10 years ago praying that prayer. Myself praying. And it wasn't just a vision that really mattered to me. He showed me. And I forgot about that prayer, but God didn't forget. Praise God. 
Because I would praise things, you, you and I would pray things, and I would forget, you would forget, and you, would, I, you and I would doubt because of insecurities, but he doesn't, right? He believes in us. Not only that, but he let me feel what he felt as I prayed that prayer. It was a deluge of love and delight. I could feel my father dancing as I was praying that prayer. I broke down because I, I had never had anyone delight in me and love on me the way he did. And I said, I sign up. I become a pastor. Family, just like you in so many different ways. I didn't sign up to be a pastor. I didn't, I'm not standing here because I had this big dream or I don't know. That's not where I started. God has given us visions and missions and values, but that's not where I started. That's not why I signed up. I signed up because I love Jesus. I just wanted to be with him and I said, God, I'll do whatever it takes so I could be a little closer to you. And I'm reminded, and I want to remind you, my family, and that is success. And we go back to that foundational first love place where we loved him and he loved us and we said, that's all. That's all. Jesus says in John 15, you know this, you abide in me and I abide in you you'll bear much fruit. Apart from it, you will not bear any fruit. As we abide in him, you'll not only be successful, you'll be fruitful. So hang on, family. Love on Jesus. Let's pray together.